0: Hello, welcome to the Great and Grace podcast. I'm Tanya, your host for the show, and I'm so glad that you're here for episode ten tonight. Uh, this show tonight um, is pre-recorded, so we're this is not a live broadcast as usual uh, that we like we usually do um, due to the holiday. Uh, we took advantage of having um, a day available where our guest wasn't working. So we pre-recorded the show, so we won't be taking call-ins tonight, but we are glad that you're here to listen in. We're going to be talking tonight about freedom and forgiveness. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be a good show. Um, So welcome also to Truth Seeker Texas Radio. As I usually state, uh, we're still a brand new radio station, so we appreciate all your support and we appreciate you guys listening. We do have four shows uh, on the station so far, Monday through Thursday, so we have a show every night, and I'll just quickly tell you about those. On Monday nights at 8 o'clock, Mike McInerney has his show, Discipleship for Life. I highly recommend it. On Tuesdays at 7, Charlie Smither has his show, The Traveling Salvation Show. And then, of course, I'm, I'm on on Wednesdays at 7. And then on Thursdays at 6, Jonathan Swan's Reborn for This is on. It's a great show as well. And then if you miss the, sh- the live shows, we do have rebroadcasts um, every day of the week until the next show comes around. So Reborn for This um, airs, re-airs every morning at 8 o'clock, and the Traveling Salvation show reairs every morning at 10 a.m and Discipleship for Life every day at noon, and then Grit and Grace we re-air every day at 2. So, if you miss, um, you can always get those, listen on that way. And of course, uh, if you uh, follow my Facebook page, the Grit and Grace Facebook page, you know already that I always try um, by Thursday or Friday to have a Spotify link and a YouTube link for you guys to be able to listen to the show at your convenience wherever you're at. All right, so tonight, like I said, we're talking about freedom and forgiveness, and I have a really special guest with me. Uh, sh- this is um, not just any guest. She has been my best friend for probably, I'm going to say, 25 years at least. Uh, we met in church, and we've been friends ever since, and her name is Vicki Graham, and she happens to be from the town of Graham, Texas, and I'm so glad to have her here tonight. Vicki, do you want to say hello? hello? And thank you so much for being here. So we're going to just open with a little prayer, and then we're going to get started. Vicki's going to tell her story about some of the things that God brought her through and how forgiveness helped her find her uh, her own freedom uh, to live uh, an overcoming life. So God, I just come to you right now, and I just thank you for the opportunity to share your truth, share your word, share experience, strength and hope to others that only you can bring into our lives. I pray that you will bless Vicki and myself, that you give us the words that we need to say, the wisdom um, to say what we need to say, but also that you would give us some, some strength and encouragement to be brave. I know it's hard To expose yourself, so I pray that you would give us the strength to say what we need to say. I pray for my listeners, all who are listening right now and who will be listening in the future, that they would be blessed. That if they have needs in their life, if there's things going on in their life, God, that you would just open doors, shut doors, whatever. That your will would be done in their lives, Um, and that you would just bless this show in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so. Let's just go ahead and get into it because we do have um, quite a bit to talk about tonight. Um, Vicki is gonna tell us basically her story of from from growing up as in her her, her we're gonna start with her early childhood and discuss some of the things that she went through and how that affected her life. And then of course we always wanna glorify God in everything we do. So ultimately her story does Glorify God. Um, you'll see how God um, has kept her through a lot of trials and tribulations. So, Vicki, um, why don't we just start by you telling me about your early life? For example, I've known you for over 20 years, so I'm not I'm not going to sit here and try to interview you as like you're for strangers. <laughs> um, but so I know some of these questions, uh, the answers to some of these questions. But let's just keep. Um, Let's just jump into things. If you're comfortable, uh, you did not grow up as I didn't grow up as well with both your biological parents, and you endured some serious childhood trauma. Correct? Yes. Go ahead and just go ahead and just start wherever you want to start. Um, if you want to start um, with the first traumatic event, how old were you? Um, first of all, like who who made up your family?
1: Okay. Well. Um <coughs> I was four years old when um, my mom and dad divorced, Um, and then um, she remarried, um, and then that had my mom, my stepdad, and my older sister, Cindy, and myself um, in the home, and then um, several years later, my baby sister came into the picture. and. Like I said, I was four when um, they divorced my mom and dad, and it was eight years after that before I ever seen him or heard from him again. Um, And unfortunately, that was after the abuse in the home from my stepdad started. It was sexual abuse. It. Started with my elder sister when she was nine, and started with me when I was nine, um, and it continued until with both of us until my sister left um, at sixteen, and then at age fifteen, um, I got courage through some help of some ladies who realized that there was something going on that had experienced some. Um, of the same issues uh, was able to help me report it to the proper authorities. Um, But um, also during that time um, I also had a health problem um, that I was actually born with but was not caught till I was 12 years old and the problem was with my kidneys. And my right kidney was not the, I forgot what they're called, but the tube that connects your bladder and kidney, the right one was two inches too short and not connected to my bladder from my kidney or whichever one.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so um, it left me very fragile. You know, you probably understand this from things Kara went
0: through. Right, yeah, she was missing the thing that, the bile duct that connected the liver to the intestine. So Yeah. Um, One little bitty thing like that can cause a real yeah. huge problem.
1: So, um, I, of course, everything had to backtrack because it couldn't go out the right tube and it had to backtrack and just use the left tube, which caused me to get severe kidney infections quite often, like at least once or twice a month. Um, and, um it also kept me from growing um i remember from this time i was six or seven years old uh up until after i had my kidney surgery when i was 12 or 13 um that i never grew i wore the same size clothes um i was in size 6x girl clothes that whole time wow and never grew wow um and so you know With that being said, even though I was, you know, between the age of 9 and 15 that my stepdad was sexually abusing me, I was the size of a six-year-old girl. Wow. So.
0: um, Now, did you also experience some health issues from the abuse as well? Like, as far as doctors telling you you wouldn't be able to, like, have babies.
1: Yes. Due to the um, damage and scarring that was done to me from the um, sexual abuse, I was told by three different doctors that I could never have children. Um, And um, which only God knows the future. No man knows the future. Right. You know. And um, I did end up having a daughter and a son. Right. So, um,
0: so let's go back to you, you get the courage to report this abuse. Yes. Um, so what happened? Uh, it went to court, correct? They, they, they believed you. They opened up a case.
1: Yes, they opened up a case, um, and they removed, um, me and my little sister from the home. Like I said at the time, Cindy was already moved out and had moved in with our grandma. Um, And so it was just me and my little sister, um, and um, we went to Cisco to be with my mamaw. Now she was my dad's mother, so she um, didn't have to take Penny in, but she did you know, because that was not her biological daughter. Um, and as my stepdad was Penny's biological dad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and um, we were there through the summer because this, ha- uh, I reported it at the end of the school year. Um, and so during the summer we went and stayed with her. Um, and um, that was difficult within itself because I had family members also that turned on me. Um, I remember one of my uncles, um, which was one of my dad's brothers, um, every summer I would go and spend some you know, time with my mamma during the summer anyway, and she would take us to Fort Worth, and um, we would you know, go spend time with my cousins and all that. and. This uncle told me I could not come down anymore because with my experience now, I was a bad influence on his daughters. Wow. So, that… Add insult to injury. Yeah. 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 So, you know, then that did not help my self-esteem at all, right. you know, because I was like, okay, so now I'm not even fit to be around my cousins, you know?
0: Like your damaged goods.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, I felt like I was the outcast, you know, Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I would have been better off just staying in the home and not reporting it.
0: Yet, yet though, even though you felt that way, you did what a lot of people can't do. You know, you went through with this investigation, like, to the point that you testified against him in court, Right.
1: Yes, um, I did, but um, let me back up just a little bit. After we was going to counseling and all that, um, he started going to church. Um, he got baptized. Um, he was telling him he had changed. He turned over a new leaf. He wasn't going to do this anymore, and. Um, they bought into his manipulations, that's what I call it, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they uh, placed me and Penny back into the home. Um, the first, um, I guess I was 16 at this time, we were out of the home about a year, I was 16 at this time, and the first um, chance he got, he tried to molest me again. And so I managed to get away, immediately told Mom, and she called um, my caseworker, and, because the case hadn't closed completely out yet, you know, called the caseworker, and they came, she showed up at the house with the cops, and they arrested him, that was the first time they had actually arrested him for this. Right. They didn't arrest him the first time.
0: Oh, okay. okay.
1: So, um, this um, was the first time that they arrested him for it. Um, and so, um, they you know, pressed the charges and um, we went to court and the only reason why it went to court is because even though he was pleading guilty, he never once said he didn't do it. He always said he was guilty, but he wanted a jury trial to decide his punishment. I see. And I felt like that was just his way of torturing more by having me relive live it all.
0: Right. Like I said, I mean, a lot of people okay, I had an opportunity to testify against someone who abused me, and I didn't have the strength to do that. Um, And I know a lot of uh, victims don't. And so, you know, that took a lot of strength, especially when you weren't getting the support from those around you that should have been supporting you, but they were doing the total opposite. So um, yeah, so what happened when, when this all went to court?
1: Okay. Um, when it by the time it went to court, I was 17, um, and um, the five years of statute of limitations was in place at that time. So they could only go back five years, which okay. which means um, Cindy was already out of the home. And so they couldn't use her. See, aren't they trying to change that now, or have they changed that now? They have changed that now to where there is no statute of limitations. Okay, good. All right. Um, So um, the judge did say that it would go on record that the abuse did start at age nine with me, but they could only go back five years, and so they could only use two years of all that abuse that I endured because of the statute of limitations, because we were out of the home for, you know, all that time, and so they could only go back yeah. that far. Um, and um, still my, my you know, testimony that I gave by, uh, on stand, the jury sentenced him to 15 years without parole. Unfortunately, he got out in less than three years.
0: On, like, compassionate release? Like, was it for health reasons or something?
1: It was for medical release because he had emphysema. Right. Which they knew he had emphysema when they put him in there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, you know. So, that So, that was, had to be... Yeah. You yeah. had to deal with that. Yeah.
0: So... But that wasn't the only traumatic event... That you had to endure um, around that time frame, around that uh, when you were in high school, um, I, I sound, we both our stories like match so much in so many areas, but you were, I guess we call it, you know, you were on a blind date and you were raped, right? But we call it date raped or whatever now. Um, but I I had the same thing happen to me when I was 13. Of course, yours was a little bit. It's all violent. Rape is all violent. But what? um, That was at Knife Point, right? Yeah, but that's not when I was in high school, though. Oh, okay. I misread that.
1: Yeah. Um, That came later on? Yes. I was already graduated and I was already living with my memo at that point.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: But I was. Still, still nonetheless.
0: Yes. Um, Of course. Yet another traumatic event to add to what you were already going yeah.
1: through. Um of course, you know, living in a small town um and su- such a big trial, you oh, wow. know, in a small town, it's everybody knows it, you know. And so, um that's exactly why I wouldn't do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
1: And uh then to top it all off, this girl that I thought was my friend um told, stood up in band, which was 8th grade through 12th grade, and told everybody in the band that I was not just visiting for the summer, that I was taken away for CPS because my stepdad was sexually abusing me. So after that, it was like the whole school knew. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. And before I was like, you know, no boy would pay any attention to me, but now all of a sudden, all these boys were like, you know, yeah, yeah, coming after me, right? You know, yeah, wanting to, you know, hey, you want to go out because they was looking at it, hey, you know, she's gonna be easy now, right? You know, I don't right. want to, you know, get too, you know, but yeah, you know, that's that's what they were looking at it as, yeah, and um, it. You know, the bullying and the harassing continued to the point that my principal would have to come stand in the hallway, Coach Woods. He would have to stand out in the hallway during each class at my locker room to keep the boys from coming up and, you know, doing stuff to me. Wow. Um, And then um, one boy actually um, grabbed me. and um, raped me in the locker room.
0: Oh, at wow. At school. So. Okay. So I think, did you leave this part out? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you've been.
1: Actually, I left that out because this is the first time I've ever voiced it.
0: Really? Well, I think, um, thank you so much for trusting me <laughs> to do that. Um, hey, yeah, I'm
1: voicing it to where everybody can hear it now.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? It's going to help somebody, Vicki, because. I know it's hard but to, what do you say, expose yourself or be so raw and real with people, but that's what helps people because somebody out there has gone through stuff too, and they need to hear, you've got a lot of strength. Now, I know you get that from the Lord, but and we'll talk about that later, but for somebody, like I said, I went through a lot of traumatic experiences too myself. Um, not all exactly the same or the same age or whatever circumstance. Um, but people that experience either multiple traumatic events or tra- events of trauma that are ongoing, like with your stepdad, you know, they develop sometimes like really bad drug addictions, uh, PTSD, uh, all kinds of things. And I mean, for for like me for example. And I asked you earlier we went to get something to, to get a soda and I was like, How did you not end up with PTSD and all wacky in the head <laughs> like me? <laughs> I mean the Lord the Lord <coughs> really kept you. The Lord really, really kept you. Um let me see here. Um okay, so what about the okay, mental mental health? issues depression i mean how did you what did this okay the bullying and the lack of support and the fact that you went through all the trouble to put the, this man away just for him to get out in 3 years you've been through all this stuff so that brought well, a lot of like sadness depression to yeah. the, to the point where you didn't want to maybe be in this world anymore
1: yes um I developed really bad, though, self-esteem. I felt like, you know, um, I was even questioning God. You know, why did you even create me? Is yeah. You know, did you just create me to go through torment and pain? Right. You know? And, you know, so, you know, and I felt like that's all I was worthy of. Yeah. You know, I wasn't worthy of being treated with decency. Yeah. You know? And... So, um, it, you know, caused depression to, to, you know, step in, and, um, I guess I was about 18 at this time, um, and, um, I did, um, take a lot of pills and, um, tried to overdose myself, you know, just to end it, because I was like... I can't take this pain anymore. Right. You know, um, if this is all I'm good for on earth, then there's no need of me being here. Right. You know. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, God had his hand on me again and brought me through. And um, you know, I did have to go to the hospital, you know, and get, you know, um, stuff, you know, my stomach pumped and all that, you know. But, yeah. you know, God did keep his hand, you know, on me and and keep me safe. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, I've had, you know, people ask me, well, if all that happened to you, how did you not end up getting an STD? Or how did you not end up getting, you know, pregnant or, you know, something? And the only thing I can tell them is, because of the grace of God.
0: Right, and because, and that does happen. I mean, we'll talk about your job later, but, you know, um, in your line of work, I mean, you've seen that happen to young people. And um, so, yeah, God, I can see where God has had his hand on you from the very beginning, even though you did walk through a lot of really difficult situations. Um, Let's see here. Sorry, let me see if i find where I'm at. Yeah. So back to the uh, the third rape. Yes. How old were you again when that happened? So correct me on that.
1: I was probably around maybe 20. Um, Like I said, I had graduated at that point. I had moved Cisco and I was living with my mama. Um I was um, working as a nurse's aide at the nursing home there in Cisco, and um, one of the co-workers that I became friends with, she um, asked me to go um, out with her and, you know, her boyfriend and a friend of hers. And so, I thought it was just an innocent, you know, get-together. So, I went, not knowing that she was literally setting me up as a blind date with this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, then, after we ate, we went back to um, her apartment, which her and her boyfriend was sharing an apartment together. And... um, so anyway, it ended up that this guy ended up um, throwing me on the bed and pulling a knife out and putting it to my throat and um, told me if I screamed, he was going to slit my throat open and he raped me. Yeah. Um. And so I went to the cops afterwards and tried to report the rape and he didn't believe me because... The people I was on a date with said that they did not hear anything going on. Wow. So, and so the cops didn't believe me. Yeah. So, um, this guy continued stalking me, um, and I could not get the cops to put a protective order on him. That's
0: really hard to do, a lot harder than people think. Yeah, yeah to get those. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, especially since they didn't believe me the rape claim anyway, yeah. and um, I would um, get off work at night, I worked the 2 to 10 shift, I'd get off work at night, and one of the male orderlies, uh, that's what they called them, they were male CNAs, um, he... Realized what was going on, and he started walking me out to my car, because this guy would actually be hiding behind trees, he would be hiding, you know, behind my car or something to grab me when I was coming out.
0: Wow. And
1: so, you know, that was my only protection. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And finally, he went with me to the police station and said, look, you need to do something and put a protective order against this guy, or you're going to end up having to arrest me for murder. You
0: know yeah. so sounds like a pretty good
1: friend, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so then they issued the protective order, and then, um, I um could, I just had to get out of that town, so then I went to Breckenridge and lived with my sister Cindy there in Breckenridge, and that's when everything kind of just started spiraling out of control again, you know, because, you know, I went back to popping pills, I went back to, you know, drinking, you know, alcohol all the time, going to the bars with her all the time, um, and just being reckless with my life because I didn't care.
0: But you were a Christian at the time. Yes. You've been a Christian, you were saved as a child. All right, so, yeah. So you're just displaying behaviors that, you know, from traumatic events that haven't been dealt with. So, so you're kind of living the wild life, which I can't even imagine you doing (laughs) because I've only known you as Sister Vicki. You've been Sister Vicki to me this whole time. But, um, so you are living with, um, Cindy and you guys are going to the bar every night and such.
1: And, um, so. During that time, I met, um, which turned out to be, uh, this guy, and we started dating and, uh, we moved in together. And then that's when I found out I was pregnant miraculously, like I said, from three, because three doctors had said I could not ever have kids, um, by my daughter. Um, and I was pregnant with her. And, um, her dad, the guy I was with, did not want. Am I dropping the gun here?
0: No, <laughs> no, I'm right with you. I'm just making my notes for him. Um, yeah, so this relationship became toxic.
1: Yeah, he wanted me to um, have an abortion, and I um, refused. I said, "No, I'm not having an no abortion." He um, did. He made it clear he did not want to be. Um, a father, again, he had three previous kids, you know, three kids from a previous marriage that was, had failed, and he didn't want no more kids. And so, um, I finally just said, okay, you don't, you know, want my baby, then I don't want you. Yeah. So I called my mom, and, um, she came and got me, and I went. Back to my hometown as hard as it was for me to go back to my hometown after all that that happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had to go back to my hometown and um, I stayed there until after you know I had my daughter and um, she was a little over a year old when I finally moved to Dayton just because I had to just get away from everything I had to get away from all family. I had no family there. I just knew a former pastor that I had that was at the Cisco Church.
0: And was it at this church where you met this nice man? Yes. This nice man who worked in the Sunday School Department or whatnot.
1: Yes, he was Sunday School Coordinator. And I thought, hey, you know, I finally met a good man that's going to be a good dad, you know, and he showed interest to me, you know, with my daughter. and. You know, and so we started dating, and we kind of moved rather quickly. Um, within less than a year, we were married. Um, and within a couple of weeks of us being married, debut started. Um, and um, But it didn't, I mean, it started with me, but it, the signs were there with my daughter, too. But I ignored them.
0: What? Okay. Um, All right. And we'll talk about that. But I just, a question just popped into my mind. If he was, he's a Sunday school coordinator and this abuse started, did you go to the pastor or anyone in the church about it? Did did they know what was going on?
1: Yes. I tried to go to um, Brother Gray. Like I said, he's, you know, him and his family was the only ones I really knew there, except for a couple other family church members that had moved there. From Cisco, um, and I told Brother Gray what was going on. He would talk to um, Paul, my ex-husband, and he would ask him, "Hey, what's going on? This is what she's saying," and he would deny it. So, um, since I didn't have no physical bruises on me, he would believe him instead of me, and um, it got to the point to where at one point, and this is something else I left out, so sorry. No, you're good. Um, But at one point, it got so bad that Brother Gray called me before the church and told me that if I did not quit gossiping, I I was going to be denounced from the church.
0: Oh, Lord Jesus. God help us all.
1: Yes. That just gets under
0: my skin so bad. I mean, for one... Uh, you know, ain't, ain't it like ain't it the case that a man's going to take up for a man? Um, number two, if this man, I, I you know, oh, so I'm going to be careful since you did mention his name. I don't know if he's still alive or not. But I, I shouldn't have mentioned his name. But, <laughs> but um, ha, if he had any any spiritual discernment at all, he would have known. He would have known the truth of what was really going on. He would have known who to believe. God could have revealed that to him. Um, but you know, there's the churches, you know, churches have imperfect people in them and even pastors can be imperfect. Yes. Um, that's, but that had to be very frustrating. Um, let's see here. That makes me mad though, just right
1: now, (laughs) I just
0: want to go like on a tangent on that one. (laughs) Um, I mean, I've been taught, uh, yeah. So okay. So eventually, you know, you have a son.
1: Yes, um, during you know in my marriage, you know I got pregnant and um, had my son um, and of course all through our marriage, which was short, thank God, but we were only to get we was only together for three years, but by the time we divorced it was about four or five years. that's still a long time to endure abuse yeah um, but um, even when I was pregnant, he was abusive to me. Um, it's a mir- not only just a miracle that I gave birth to a second child, but it's also a miracle that he survived, yeah. you know, because his main thing was choking. And he would um, choke me to the point I would literally be passing out.
0: It's almost like the devil had his sights on you from the very beginning, like, you know, John Ten Ten. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. And it's almost like, okay, well, that didn't work. I'm gonna throw this. At, I'm gonna throw this at her. That didn't work. I'll just throw this at her. And I'll just keep throwing stuff at her until she feels unworthy, until she feels unloved, and yeah, until he can get his foothold into your life.
1: Yeah, I kind of felt like Job. <laughs> yeah. Um. But um. I remember I was probably about three months, three or four months pregnant with my son, and um, my ex-husband was also um, very crooked, you know. I mean, he had crooked lawyers, crooked cups, and all that in his back pocket.
0: And he, his pastor, apparently.
1: Evidently. Um, that so, so that's
0: makes no sense now, okay.
1: So, um, I... I uh, was driving home from work, which was a about maybe 20-minute drive, um, and I got pulled over by a cop, and I was like, okay, what did I do? You know, I wasn't speeding, and he said my back light was out, and I was like, I got out, and I was like, it's working. The officer actually hit my taillight and busted it out. Wow. And... Um, I didn't have my insurance card with me because, conveniently, it had been taken out of my car.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and the officer put me in handcuffs and arrested me. Wow. And this was in Dayton? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. i noticed they clear from there. <laughs>
1: and, um... And arrested me. Mm. And when he put me in the cop car, I realized he was already in the pursuit of taking someone to jail, which was this big huge guy that he had handcuffed in the back seat that he picked up for domestic violence and I was put in the back wow. seat handcuffed with Next him. to him. Wow. And I was like, For one, you shouldn't have even stopped me with someone in your car. Right. You know. Yeah. And so I go, and I'm, you know, they take forever to book me. It was like 4 a.m. So they, went, they, they, went, they
0: took you to jail?
1: Yes. I spent the night in jail. Was Paul behind all that? Yes. Okay. I called him yep. and uh, told him that I need him to go pick Chelsea up, my daughter, because I was in jail, and I needed him to come bail me out. He went and picked up my daughter, but he did not come get me out. I had to call my pastor to come bail me out of jail. Wow, the one that didn't. The one that didn't believe you. Um, so um, I don't know if I should say this part over over the air, but um, I had finally was so fed up with everybody being so mean to me and abusing me that I finally retaliated. Yeah. Like you got pissed.
0: Yes. I mean, on, on Texas Truth Seeker Radio, we can be real. Uh, we definitely want to, uh, you know, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in the Lord's sight. but. Um, you know, and let, let you know, and try not to have any corrupt communication come out of our mouth. But we're also real here, we're real people. So, you got pissed off, yes. You finally had enough, yes. All right, go ahead.
1: So, I also left this part out on you, too. Okay, but um, he um, took, um, to, like, I think it was Soma and something else anyway. And when he would go to sleep at night. The way he laid down when he went to sleep is I had wake up the next morning. He was out. Out, yeah. So I got home at 5 o'clock in the morning, and he was laying there on the bed, cocked out. So I cocooned him in the bed sheet. And I took a broomstick, and I went to beating the crap out of him. Yes, girl.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. And then when I got done, I unrolled him and put him right back like he was before I started. Wow. And when he woke up, he was like, man, I don't know what happened. I felt like I got hit by a Mack truck. I said, you sure did.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he never found out what I did.
0: Right. Right. Sweet revenge. So. So. Okay. So, we're doing good on time. We're doing great on time. This is working out good. So, eventually though, you get out of this situation.
1: Yes. And, um, the way I got out, unfortunately, was a very bad situation. Um, I had already had my son. Um, He was just an infant. I think he was only maybe weeks old, you know. Um, And I was um, giving him a bath. And um, Chelsea was in the bathroom watching me bathe him, which all we had was a shower that had a lip, you know, that's about three or four inches tall. You know, and so I put a rag in there to let a little bit of water get in there to give him a bath. And so she was in there watching me. And he comes in there and he pulls her out and says, she's being a pervert for watching me bathe her her baby brother. brother. And she was only four at this time. Right. Ridiculous. Um. Hearing her screaming, but I couldn't go in there to her because... because you got the baby in, I in the I got the baby in this shower, yeah. you know, and so I had to hurry up and finish up with him and go in there. And when I go in there, he is beating her with a belt because and the whole time telling her she should not be perverted. Right. 4 year old don't know how to be perverted, you know. Right. Um, and the more... Um, I tried to stop him the harder and more he would hit her, so I had to sit there on the couch with my screaming baby, oh
0: Jesus, while
1: I watched him beat her,
0: Jesus Lord,
1: until he finally got tired of beating her.
0: oh my
1: God, and she had bruises from the middle of her back to her knees that were so deep it took months to heal
0: Jesus
1: um so. Um, about, um, a week or so after that, um, my mom called <clears throat> and said that, uh, my grandma was dying and that I needed to come home.
0: Can I ask you something about your grandma just real quick to clarify something, if my memory serves me right? Was your mama, um, your spiritual influence? Yes. Uh, from what I remember, um, she's where you got all your knowledge about the lord. Yes. Okay, so she was a real special special person in your life. Yes. Okay, go ahead.
1: But this was um what you're talking about is my meval, which was my dad's grandmother. Okay. This was my mom's mom. Oh, okay. I got But those. I was close with both of them because when I went back Uh, Before I was sent, when I went back after being taken out of the home, we had to go live with my grandma until we could go back home. So I was with my mama then my grandma. Oh, okay. So I know it gets confusing. Yeah. But anyway, she called and said that I needed to come home because um, she was dying of cancer. So, um, which they didn't catch till late. That's why we didn't know that she had it. Um, and so, um, I got a bus ticket and with my son that was barely two months old and my four-year-old daughter on a Greyhound bus by myself, and I'm headed back home.
0: Which was what town
1: Um, back home? Throckmorton.
0: Throckmorton, okay.
1: So, that was a 12-hour right.
0: Goodness,
1: okay. Um, because they have to stop in every town, right? Yeah. And that was only till I got to um, oh. Dallas, and it was going to be like a two-hour layover in the middle of the night.
0: Oh wow! And you and have this baby
1: and toddler with you. So I called my aunt Molly. Um, aunt Molly, I remember yes. this name. Okay. Yes. Okay. And. Told her what was going on, and so she drives from Ranger to Dallas, and I don't know how fast she was driving because she gets there in about an hour and a half, you know, or less. Yeah, and um, takes us to her house. Well, I was trying to get my kids dressed for bed, especially my daughter without her seeing, because I knew she would flip out because she still had these bruises at this time. Like I said, it took months for them to heal. And so she come in there and she seen the bruises. And uh, she flipped out and she was going to leave to drive, which at the time was Center, Texas. That's where we were at whenever I got on the bus to confront him. For what he did, and I had to stop her from doing that because I knew that confrontation would not be pretty, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I stopped her from that, but um, and then the next day she took us to Thrill Martin and um, then I was able to stall because grandma did end up passing away, and then I stalled. Um, my ex husband telling him I had to stay there to help my mom because oh, mom so he, yeah, so
0: your grandma was kind of. I mean, sad to say, an excuse to get out. And you didn't, he, as far as he knew, you didn't leave him. You were just going to take care of your grandma or be with your grandmother. Right. Okay. All right.
1: And so um, then um, mom was already planning on moving to Graham after, you know, everything was over with with grandma. So I kept stalling him until we could move. And so we all moved uh, to Graham, um, me and my kids, um, Penny and her first husband, Jimmy, and their kids. um, And we all moved to Graham, which it was just the oldest child at that point of my little sisters. Um, And um, then um, I called him after we moved and told him I was not coming home that I was filing for divorce and that um, I was no longer in Martin. Yeah. But I did not tell him where I where was. Where you were. Um, so um, then I had to pay off the divorce because I didn't have $1,000 to pay for a lawyer. Um, so I had to pay it off. So by the time we got it, or I got it all paid off and everything. Um, um, and my son was about a year old by the yeah. time I got that done. Um, and um, he he tried to. I mean, he did come back. He did find me eventually, um, and he did come and he t- tried to get me to come back to him. You know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to change, blah blah blah. But I was like,
0: you're smart enough not to fall for that. I was like, that you know, dog doggone hunt.
1: I was like, "No, mm-hmm. I'm not."
0: You've right. already had men betraying you your whole life since day one. Yeah, yeah. So you're I'm not like, for that. you
1: know, you're messing with the wrong one. I've been told to me times. Right, right, yeah, right. You're not
0: fooling me. Right.
1: And I said, "Plus, what you did to my daughter, I can't forgive.
0: It's unforgivable." You know. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. But yeah. So then one day, okay, so you left you and you find yourself in Graham, Texas, which is where you and I eventually meet. And. um So, you found yourself in this little A frame building on the north side of town, the Pentecostal Church. Um, What I didn't ask, I didn't, we didn't talk about this earlier, but um, I know what I drew me to there was that my granny had gone there. I just, I had an experience with the Lord. Um, You know, it's, I won't tell the whole story, but that, you know, I was drawn to start going back to church. I had been out of church for a while. And, um, I didn't know, you know, where to go. My my granny was always my spiritual influence and um she had passed away at this time, but she had been attending that church. And so um I started going there. What did you try what drew you to that? Or did you just feel like the Lord drawing you there?
1: Um, no, um I was just, you know, at that point when I was in Cisco, I was going to UPC Church in Cisco with my momma. Um and so Um, when we moved, I told my mom, I said, you can go to whatever church you want to go to, but this is where I'm going. Okay. And this is, this is
0: where the story starts getting good now. So, um, you meet Brother Chance. Yes. Okay. And, and he was my pastor for a while and I love Brother Chance, but so like you, he counseled you on forgiveness. And how that was would benefit you is that you know he taught you how forgiveness is not about the person you're forgiving, um, but it's about releasing you from all this pain and resentment. And I just I find that interesting because I guess I didn't never know that part of the story, or maybe I forgot it. You know how I am. <laughs> but um, I did the same. I was telling before we got on the start of the show. I was telling you how. You know, I did the same thing with Mike, my pastor, Mike McInerney. I went through a year of counseling, pastoral counseling with him on, he calls it the process of forgiveness. So evidently, uh, forgiveness is a very important thing. Um, You had some scriptures you wanted to share about that specifically? Yes. And um, if you want to do the first one, I'll just pull up the other one on the second one on my phone, since I, I didn't bring my Bible. I guess I forgot that this is a <laughs> Christian show I'm doing here, and I might need it. Um, but that's what these phones are for. Can you imagine if we would have had these back in the day when we were running around together? Yeah. All right. So you're going to start with Ephesians 4. So if y'all listeners and um, if you guys want to follow along, she's going to be reading from Ephesians 4 and uh, verse 30 through 32. And I'll pull up the Colossians one.
1: Well, if I can turn the page here. Yeah. Okay. Um. I'm actually going to start at 29. Okay let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may be it may impart grace to the hearers and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we are sealed for the day of redemption but all bitterness wrath anger glamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving, forgiving one another one even as God in Christ forgave you
0: yes amen so
1: so um, that um, that stood out to me but actually when we first started with Brother Chance or when I first started with Brother Chance it was more of him just Letting me freely get it out, get it out. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you know, because you know, he could see that I needed a release, yeah, you know, so he was just that release at first
0: somebody to listen who for who would believe you, who would um, not judge you, um, not betray you and turn on you, someone you could that was safe and that you could trust, yeah, yeah,
1: and um then after I got it all out, he didn't really have to um, like really
0: counsel me yeah.
1: on forgiveness because I just felt in my spirit.
0: Well, that, the Bible says we have an anointing from yeah. the Holy One and He'll teach us all things. Yeah, Yeah.
1: And so I just felt like in my spirit that to be free of all the trials and adversity that I endured that I had to forgive right. to move forward. Right. And um, so it was then that I asked brother and sister Chance if they would take me and go with me to the nursing home where my dad, stepdad was so that I could look at him face to face and tell him that, that I forgave him.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. So no one had to tell you about the process of forgiveness or the benefits of forgiving, but you were you just felt this in your spirit. But what I'm wondering is, you know, was it that easy? God told you and you, you just no. you got a went and did it? Or no. did it take some
1: convincing?
0: You know, how hard was yeah, that to I do? Mean, I mean it's not it was
1: it was not easy. It was probably the hardest thing i ever done. I would say that was probably even harder than me testifying against him on the stand. Yeah. Um, because, um, for one, I was going to be face to face with the guy who tormented me for years. Yeah. You know? And two, he had never once asked me to forgive him. Right. He wasn't asking for forgiveness, and really,
0: I would have felt like he hadn't paid for his sin. Or crime, or I'm sorry, however you, you want to word it, um, and you know we feel, or as humans, that somebody needs to pay. But the Bible does say vengeance is mine. Says the Lord, and I will repay. It's hard to turn that over to Him because for me, I know for me, I want to control, and I want to control the anger and the outcome. You know, and I feel like if I let it go, well, then I'm letting, I'm just letting go what they did just gets dismissed, yeah. but that's not what it's about.
1: Yeah. Um, so, if you want to go ahead and do
0: Colossians 3, uh, 12 through 15 says, let me check my time. Oh, we're getting low on time. We might have to wrap it up real quick in a minute. Uh, I don't know if we can get to the other ones. We'll have to be brief. Okay. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God, okay, this is, I'm just now getting something right here. (laughs) After you forgive, he says, now let the peace of God, time. Just getting that, thank you, Jesus, rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So that's kind of telling me y- your peace is going to come from letting this go. Um Do you have Matthew 5 ready yet? If not, like, uh let's see here, she's going to do Matthew 5, 44 through 45. And on the Psalm 51 one, we're just going to have to do that one verse. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Matthew five. Let's see. Matthew five forty four through forty five. These pages. Meanwhile, while you're looking at that one, I can go ahead. Oh, I don't like NIV. Change that. <laughs> I do not like that. Uh, let's see here. Where's my new King James? Where'd it go?
1: Okay. Um. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who uh, spotfully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and Mm -hmm. sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, because like you know, when he talks about the wheat and the tares, and he says, you know, like he plants the, I'm going to, I'm grasping at this one because I don't have this one memorized, but there's this field, you know, and, and the wheat comes up and then the all of a sudden weeds come up and they're like, uh, Lord, should we, you know, pull up these weeds? He's like, no, not until the appointed time because you might, you yeah. might pull up a, a wheat in the process, but um, so I think that's why it does rain on the just and the unjust until the appointed time when, you know, everybody pays for yeah yeah. All right, so all right, so we have Psalm fifty one and ten. These are script these are the scriptures that Vicki gave to me that you know she has leaned on throughout her life. So this one says, uh, Psalm fifty one ten. Create everyone know, is pretty familiar. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now. Um, you said this is one that you say nearly every day. Yeah. Okay. And that's uh, helped you as far as, um, you know, keeping thoughts at bay. Yeah. Yeah. Or in your heart at bay. Well, so we are, this is, the hour is already almost up, but I think we've covered everything. I mean, you were able to forgive your stepdad and, um, and the Lord gave you just a relief. And ever since I've known you, oh, I did want to mention, I don't want to just leave out this point. Uh, Vicki um, always wanted to, she's living this life of suffering and she's, you know, wants to help other people that went through, you know, similar circumstances or had gone through abuse and whatnot, trauma. And so, um, she went to school uh, for four years, and she received two bachelor's degrees. She has a bachelor in psychology and a bachelor bachelor's in applied behavioral science. And uh, she currently works um, with a nonprofit organization that works alongside the C, uh, alongside CPS um, or the Department of Family Services. And um, so she is she went she was you know went through and overcame. All this adversity through Christ with God's help. Through, um, I'm going, to, we're going a little over an hour, station manager, so you know that's fine. We only play air, elevator music when we're not on the air, so I'm just gonna take my liberty here and you know go a little bit over time. But because I want people to know, for one, there's hope in God. I mean, like you said, was I just born for suffering? No, God had a plan for you. Look at you now. Look at the people that you're helping now. And, you know, you could have done that with just an education, but how much better can you do that with the education and the experience of overcoming through God, you know? Um, And you can use that, like you said, to gain, to, to have empathy for where some of these people, like you used to work at the prison you know, and you have empathy for, you know, what some of these people, why some of these people may be acting the way that they are, you know, or doing the things that they're doing because there, you understand that there's a sickness or a disease or abuse or something behind that uh, root of the problem. So anyways, I'm rambling.
1: Um, I'm glad. Well, there's some more, uh, something else i will like to say if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I wanted to touch a little bit more on the forgiveness because, um, You know, our title is Freedom and Forgiveness and I don't feel like we touched that part but um, when I was able to go and like I said it was not an easy process and I had to have the moral support of my pastor and his wife to go with me Um, but when I was able to look at him and tell him I'm here to tell you I forgive you but then I told him it's not for you it's for me And as soon as I did that, I felt like a 1,000-pound weight had been lifting off my shoulder. And I felt this awesome, overwhelming freedom. And I was able to let go of all that. Right. Let go of all the pain. And at that point, I stopped being a victim. Amen. Yes. I took... That Up until that point, I was still being victimized by my circumstances because I was holding that all inside. But then when I let it go, I took that control back and I stopped being a victim. And to this day, I'm not a victim. Right. Yeah. When
0: you say control, that just made me think about what I said earlier. We think we only think we're in control when we're holding on to the anger,
1: yes, but, but, really, we're but not. really we're not. Because, and this is something I also learned at the prison when I was teaching those guys because I probably learned more working at the prison than what I ever taught those guys, you know, because I learned that hanging on to all that stuff is just keeping you a Victim, keeping you victimized in that situation. And cycles are repeated. And so so it just repeats over and over and over and over because you are kind of like on a hamster wheel. Yeah. You know, you're just going over and over and over and over, and eventually you have to jump off that wheel. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And that's what I did at that point. And from that day forward, I was able to move forward in my life and not be tormented and have those nightmares and those dreams and those, you know, PTSD events or whatever. I might have had PTSD and never diagnosed with it.
0: Yeah, but I've known you for 20, at least 25 years and I've never seen any evidence from your past come back since I've known you and bite you in the butt. You know what I mean? You've, since you've been free, you've been free. Yes. It's stuck for you. Thank God, you know. Um, I also want to bring up, like, this may not have been the case in your situation, but I'm, yeah, but um, one of the hardest things to do. I want to encourage anybody listening out there. For me, was to forgive myself when I had to forgive um, people that hurt me in my life. You know, when I worked with Mike, all that's all well and good, and that was really, um, I didn't find it that difficult. Of course, I wasn't looking them in the eye, right? I, I wasn't even there. I was just. I was, they weren't there. I was just forgiving them, like you say, for myself, but forgiving myself for any, of, uh, for having any part in anything, I'm not going to go into my story, but I had to forgive myself and that was the hardest thing for me to do and I, I didn't get free until I could forgive myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to encourage um, anybody out there listening, you know, he who the sun sets free is free indeed and you are free indeed. And that came through the power of forgiveness, of giving up, you know, God's kingdom and God's kingdom, things are backwards. You know, he that wants to save his life, you know, has to lose it. If you want to keep your life, you got to give it away, you know? Um, So like I said, it's backwards. You think you're remaining, you have control of that situation, but no, the victory comes from letting it go. Yeah, and letting um, God have control, and in and as a result, though, you do get control of your life back. That's what eventually does happen. You get actual real control of your life back. Yeah. Um. You did great.
1: Well, before we end, mm-hmm. um, I want to give honor to my sister. Yes, yes, yes. Cindy. Yes. Yes. Um, if I can do so without crying.
0: Well, <laughs> um, yes, she passed away. I was, you know, I wasn't there with you. I don't think when she passed, but uh, she when she was up here in the hospital didn't last year. So Cindy passed last year. She, um, yeah, she unfortunately uh, passed away too soon, and so um, some of the some of the things that happened to you guys maybe got the best of her. But what let's lo- let's take a minute to honor her memory and tell me all the good things about Cindy.
1: She was probably the best sister anyone could ever ask for. She was always there no matter what. And when we had to go back into the home, uh, no, back to Throckmorton, and we stayed with my grandma, the only way the CPS would allow that as if that was another couple in the home and Cindy married her boyfriend wow so that she could keep us from going into foster care yeah she was only 18 years old yeah that's not a true sister she was yeah she would give anything for her family she loved with all her heart and, you know, unfortunately, she wasn't able to find that freedom and forgiveness. Right. And that was her downfall, that she would give anything to anybody that she could. She would give the last meal that she had in her refrigerator if she thought they needed it. Yeah. You know, that's just the type of person she was. And, um, you know... She
0: just never managed to figure out how to give herself. Yes. Give to herself. She, she, could, could, she could easily love you guys, but she had a little bit of trouble loving herself because of what you guys went yes. through, which is understandable. Um, again, so, you know, I want you to know that you do have a powerful story and um, you did a great job sharing it. I want to tell you thank you for coming, for one, and and I love you, and I'm, pr- I'm so proud of you. Um, I'm proud of how you've maintained all these years and how you've worked so hard and how you have such tenacity to never give up. Um, you're a lot stronger than you may appear to some people or even to yourself. Of course, you're strong in the Lord and the power of His might. so that's what's even cooler about it. Um, so we are coming up to about an hour and 10 minutes which is a great time to go ahead and shut this down thank you guys for listening i'm gonna say a real quick prayer um lord god i thank you for being with us i've felt your presence here with us during this show and i thank you for that i pray that vicky's testimony um would help bring encouragement to anyone out there listening and struggling with any kind of issues in Jesus' name. Y'all tune in next week, Wednesday, 7 o'clock, like always, for the Grit and Grace podcast. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.